Welcome to the A World of Difference podcast. I'm your hostess, Lori Adams-Brown, and you're listening to episode 19. I want to tell you about Anchor because it's what I use to record these podcasts. Why do I use it? Number one, it's free. Number two, it's simple. I don't have a lot of tech skills, but I don't need to because Anchor does a lot of the work for you. And as you know, many of you who know, I'm a career woman. I do this as a hobby on the side in my free time, and I love my kids and my family, and I don't want it to take more time than it needs to. (laughs) So thank you, Anchor, for that. It's a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. And so they also distribute it for you anywhere you hear podcasts like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all the different ones. You can make money from it if you choose to with no minimum listenership, and it's got everything you need to make the podcast in one place. So I would encourage you to download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. My guest on today's show is my great friend, Eva Lung, and she is just going to be such a great interview today because you guys are just really going to love her because everybody loves Eva. (laughs) She's smart, really smart. Uh, like went to Princeton smart and just so full of joy and so friendly and a lot of fun and deeply spiritual and and cares just so much. And you're going to hear her talk about faith and work in a way that's going to really inspire you. I just know it. She, I first met her in Singapore. She came out on a trip with some friends and um, was involved as a volunteer in some of the work we did. And uh, you just, even on that first meeting. She's just, yeah, she's, she's just one of those people that just makes a great first impression as well. <laughs> and, um, she ended up not long after we met her, uh, even during that trip, she was doing an interview in Singapore for Merck Pharmaceuticals, which is a company she was working for in the U.S. at the time in the Raleigh-Durham area. She, um, in the interview, got the job in Singapore and moved to Singapore and basically became a part of our family <laughs> for several years. Um, she's a chemical engineer and she worked for Mark, I don't know, maybe like 11 years or so in the U.S. as well as for several years in Singapore and um, just recently started working for Lonza, which is a biotech company and she's a sterility assurance senior manager there. She she takes her work very seriously as a chemical engineer and um, and the work that she does is pretty great. Like even at Mark, she worked on Gardasil, which is an immunization that has helped save many lives, as well as she worked on Keytruda, which is a lung cancer drug that cured Jimmy Carter's lung cancer and many others' lung cancer. So just even just with that, even if she didn't even express herself spiritually in any way at work, just the work that she's been doing is really deeply meaningful to a lot of people and deeply spiritual in the sense that it's helping save so many lives. But in addition to that, she cares deeply about the coworkers that she has. And as she is in leadership positions at work, she certainly cares about that in a deeply spiritual way, in a way that she sees people not just as employees, but as people whom God loves and that she should love as her neighbor and as her coworker. And she tries really hard to do that well. And you're going to hear a little bit about that process for her today and the Singapore context as an expat living in Singapore. So uh, I really hope that you have your ears open to the things that she has to teach us today. And uh, I really hope that you have some nuggets to take away to inspire you in your own workplaces of how it can look as a scientist like her, as a, as a chemical engineer, engineer like her, or whatever it is that you do 
in your career that you can have some takeaways that will inspire you to work in a way where you bring your faith with you to work and it helps you work in a different way. So welcome to the show, my friend, Eva Lung. Hi, Eva. Thank you for being on the podcast. Hi, Lori. How are you? Oh. Yeah, it's, it's, we, we miss you. <laughs> yeah, I miss you too. I miss you. Oh, it's been so long. I know. Well, even though Singapore and California are very far apart, um, there are a lot of things that we share in common living here in Singapore to what goes on or what we have here in California to what goes on in Singapore in terms of like some of the faith and work conversation we're gonna talk about today. So when I thought about doing this series, I immediately thought of you as somebody who would be great to talk about what it means to be a person of faith at work. So I'd love for you just to tell our listeners a little bit about who you are, maybe some of your background and also currently what your job is. Sure, um, so my name is Eva Learn. Uh, I'm a follower of Christ and I came from a family who did not follow him. Um, six years ago, a coworker and friend shared with me at work, um, which I can elaborate later. And then now, uh, believer now. As for my background, for, for where I came from, I'm a third culture kid. So as with many TCKs, um, I'm, I'm going to have to give you my whole life history. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I grew up in, I was born and um, grew up in Arizona for the, from first generation immigrants from Hong Kong. And then when I was eight, I moved to Singapore. When I was high school, I moved to Hong Kong and my parents moved back to Hong Kong and stay there. And then after that, I went to college uh, in the US and stayed there working for a large pharmaceutical company. Um, and through the company and also through God's leading, I moved to Singapore, um, yeah, uh, just around four years ago. Um, I'm still in Singapore now and I've been working in a quality assurance also in a pharmaceutical company. Um, so my role there includes ensuring that our products are safe for patients to take. It's awesome. I always feel like you kind of save the world every day in your job. And definitely during COVID, when I see that they're making these vaccines, I often think of you and what it was like, because you worked on Gardasil, is that right? In your previous? I did. Yeah. I worked on Gardasil, Keytruda, MMR vaccines. So a lot of the childhood vaccines for a while. Um, yeah, and now I'm working for a contract manufacturing company, so I can't, um, propriety-wise, I can't share a lot of them, but then um, I, some of, I am working on a couple of COVID treatments, which is exciting. Nice. Mm -hmm. Very yeah. interesting. Thank mm -hmm. you for doing that. It's like such important work right now. And even my seventh graders, they're doing this um, unit, I guess, in the California curriculum where they're learning about the cell. And they're on this weird kick now during COVID where they watch these YouTube videos of people are like, nothing you learn in school really matters. Like you don't even need, they don't even teach you how to do your taxes in school and all these things you really need for life. And they're like, we're having to learn about like, you know, the different parts of the cell. I'm like, what? That's so important. Like if people don't know about the different parts of the cell, how are we ever going to find a vaccine for COVID? <laughs> like, yeah. And they were like, oh, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> goodness yeah, yeah. I'm sure at some point in your life though as you were growing up and as you were a student you had a moment in time where you felt that this was a career path you wanted to take um, and kind of what was that 
sort of story for you? How, how did that moment happen? Was it more of a process? Was it chosen for you? Did you feel like you chose it? Um, it was a little bit of both as with most things. Um, yeah. I always knew I wanted to work in healthcare because um, I just wanted to objectively make a difference in people's lives. I felt like with healthcare, there was no debate that you are helping. Um, so then when I went to college, I pursued um, the closest degree I could get to that um, without being a doctor because blood still scares me. So um, <laughs> yeah, so I went into chemical engineering. And then um, with that, though, I, I always had to hope to, um, well, I originally had the hope to make a robot um, with a humanoid body parts, and then you can exchange them with a real humans. And it's, it's the exact plot of Bicentennial Man. And I, I've always wanted to do that. <laughs> but then, um, yeah, just one thing led to another um, different opportunities that came up. And um, I landed uh, in a large pharmaceutical company. And I, I loved it ever since. Um, just love um, working with, uh, yeah, I love working with different products and knowing that after we manufacture these products, they'll go and, and literally do save people's lives from very dangerous diseases. So uh, it's, it's been very rewarding. And I, um, yeah, I don't, I don't see myself ever wanting to leave that as of yet. Yeah, no, no reason not to. It's as important as it's ever been in 2020, for sure. Yeah. So we alluded to um, something earlier when you were given your background, but I, I wanted to know, if, you know, do you have anyone in your life, maybe growing up, or maybe in your adult years that has modeled for you any particular aspect that inspires you as a person who has a faith at work? Um, yeah, so there's there's two people. One one person is um, I. One person was instrumental in leading me to faith, but um, I wouldn't. Yes, so. So one person was uh, he goes by the name of Scott. He's my boss's boss. Um, and he, um, I didn't know for a long time that he was a person of faith, but um, there were many things while working for him that I saw that made him different. So um, he, I actually worked with him in Virginia. And when he moved to North Carolina with the pharmaceutical company, I followed him because I'm like, I, I really like how this man works. He really cares for his people. Um, he, he leads well and he's always I always felt that he was very fair. Um, and he also always fought for us um, and just really liked that about him. Um, so uh, he, I worked with him for, I think a total of um, six years. And uh, he, yeah, uh, he was always very loving to his people, which I really appreciated. Um, but he also taught us a lot about um, how uh, like servant leadership. Um, yeah, so watching him, I always saw how he really cares for people and um, from caring for people, from leading, from knowing how people worked um, below him, then he was able to lead, um, lead from above and uh, just really appreciated um, and loved working for him. He was also instrumental in um, leading me to faith. Um, I, he was very, um, uh, he was very good about 
walking that delicate line between sharing your faith at work um, as a boss and also um, being, um, but knowing that this is very important truth that people need to know. Uh, so I remember, I might need to go back and tell my story later, <laughs> but uh, I remember there was a time where um, I was in his office uh, crying because I, um, I had just gone through a, the breakup um, and uh, he, he like listened to me, uh, he let me cry in his office. Um, and then at one point he's, he paused and he said, Eva, there's just something I really want to tell you, but I can't tell you at work. Do you mind if my wife tells you outside of work, if you don't mind meeting with her? And um, I just knew him so well and I trusted him so well that I'm like, yeah, sure. Like anything that could help me at that moment. Um, and he uh, and his wife um, was able to share the gospel with me that way. And um, and I just knew that this was the truth that was coming from someone out of love as opposed to someone who just um, had a, a, a second agenda. Mm. Mm. That's so awesome. It's such a kind and loving and patient way. Um, and I just, I even love just the part of like, I'm trying, you know, I think probably our stereotype, at least maybe mine is of a, a pharmaceutical company is it's very, maybe devoid of a lot of emotional moments. Like it just seems very scientific, very calculated. There's these, you know, vaccines being produced, people wearing lab coats and I don't know, doing things on computers. But this moment where you're, you know, crying because you're a human being and you're not a robot and you, yeah. you, you have, you know, life happens and, you know, just to have a boss in any company to be open to that is really special. And um, yeah, there's, um, you know, a lot of diversity and inclusion, you know, sort of seminars that go on here in the Silicon Valley on these different companies where they're like, you know, get to know your coworkers, know them as a human being, not just as a person that produces results. And it sounds like he just kind of instinctively knew how to do that with you, like saw you as a human being with feelings and that you needed someone to listen and care for you, uh, even outside of work. That's really sweet. I would think that would be compelling for any of us. <laughs> yeah, I think it's it's very easy at work because you do have a role and you're trying to complete um, a task in order to help the company make more money. And that that's why you were hired. Um, but sometimes I, I even have to catch myself when I see someone come by um, and I'm like, oh, this is, he has a document I have to read and I have to be able to get back to him. So then I see him as like a document. I see him as an email I need to respond as opposed to an actual human being. And that's when I really need to pause and be like, no, this is, this is someone who um, is made in the image of God and God really loves. And therefore I need to remember to also love him too. And that he is more than a document. He is more than an email that I need to respond to. Yeah, well, that's really good. I think all of us could use that reminder, even those of us who work in ministry and um, things like that, we can get so focused on tasks and um, using people to complete a task um, instead of, you know, having a task that we work around together to develop each other and, and love each other in the process. It's, it's a totally different approach. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that's challenging for anybody at work, um, but especially where it could be you know, so detached sometimes in a place like pharmaceutical company, it must have its own challenges, but it sounds like you really saw something different there and it was compelling. And I know you mentioned another person. Did you want to share the story about the other person? Yeah, sure. Um, 
So when I when I was working at this pharmaceutical company, I, um, I wasn't a, a believer, and um, I had walked um, my life with a, a really close coworker who became a, a friend as well. Um, her name is Tiffany, and uh, we had new users also uh, for I think around four years at that point, so not as long. Um, but uh, so we became really good friends, and at that point in my life, I was a little bit young, uh, younger. Um, I was around 25, um, and she walked with me in my life, and she saw me go through a series of breakups uh, with people, and um, I was just really devastated. Um, and and then for each of the breakups that I had, it was increasingly worse. I think as I was willing to invest more in my emotions and. Um, it just got more and more painful. Um, at one point, um, I had dated someone at work who um, uh, who really broke my heart at the time, but I always had to see him at work, so it was just really painful. Mm -hmm. So then um, I remember crawling underneath um, someone's desk and just crying, and they would just hide me in the corner until I can get over it. <laughs> come back out and work again. Oh, it's just so such an emotional time. Um, and I, it took me a while to get out of it. I, I had tried um, so many different things. I went to a therapist um, who helped me get to a level where I can actually maybe be a little bit more functional. Um, I went to codependency, uh, like, small groups. I, I went to, um, I tried to exercise a lot more. I tried to eat healthy. I tried all these self-help things. Um, and, and throughout it all, um, Tiffany saw me through it. She tried to help me as much as she can. I was at her house a lot. And she, she cooked for me because I couldn't, um, I, uh, at that time, I couldn't even remember to eat um, because I was so emotional. And she just really loved me throughout that time. Um, and I remember at one point when I was a little bit more functional, she had taken me out for dinner and I, I just told her like, Tiffany, like this is my treat because you really uh, helped me through this time. I'm just so grateful for you. Um, and I, I promise that the next time I go through a breakout, this won't happen. I'll be stronger. I really will. And um, Tiffany, um, she, she actually paused and then she started yelling at me because... Uh, <laughs> It's really odd, but we have that type of relationship where it actually works. But she she yelled at me and she was like, Eva, this will always happen again because you are putting your faith on man and who is fallible instead of God who is infallible. And um, at that point, I was like, what? Like, Tiffany's a Christian? And um, <laughs> which I didn't know at the time. Um, and also she, I was, um, I, in my mind, I had thought, Christians were these crazy people who um, believed in a fantasy and didn't really believe in truth and therefore wouldn't believe in science and therefore wouldn't believe in hard work. Um, but I, I knew Tiffany. Um, I knew she was very smart. I knew she was a very hardworking coworker. We both worked um, on the same projects and I, um, and I just knew she was smart and someone who I can trust and isn't a crazy Christian person. <laughs> um, so um, I listened to her and she, she shared the gospel with me um, at that point. I didn't uh, immediately come to believe, um, but I continued going back to her because I wanted her to know more. 
about um, why she believed that um, this God is real, that this God interacts with um, her constantly, and that this God would actually love me. Like when I found myself so unlovable and when, um, I, and that I felt like was corroborated by all the, um, the bad relationships that I have had. Um, so I think after around six months of just intense Bible study, intense questioning of, um, of Tiffany and then uh, of different people in the church, uh, I decided to make that leap to come to faith. Um, it didn't mean that everything was perfect after that, um, or that even my faith was completely um, like so strong that it wasn't unbreakable. Um, but uh, after being involved with the church and just really learning more um, from, yeah, from many different interactions with God, uh, I just, there's no way I could live my life without Christ now. So awesome. I, I just love that story. And, um, and I love Tiffany. I love how you guys have that kind of relationship. And uh, it's such a good example for us of um, loving people well in those hard moments. And I'm sure you have um, looked at your work in a different way now that you do have faith as opposed to what it was like before. So yeah, I'm curious to know what role does your faith play and how you approach your job differently now? Yeah. Um, yes, definitely with work. Um, there are always many opportunities to um, to change things because I mean, work is difficult. Um, yep, God um, from Genesis made it that way too. He made it the ground that was um, hard to grow things in. And it's it is hard. Um, I feel like faith really impacts how I work um, in every aspect, including like how I work, how I interact with my peers, my boss, my, uh, my customers, and how I deal with difficulty from day to day as well. Um, for me, um, I really believe that God gave me the gift of encouragement um, from 1 Corinthians 12, 8. Um, just so I seek ways day to day on how I can encourage people as much as possible. Um, so I, I really try to look for the good that people are trying to do at work. And then I hone in on that um, perspective and I try to encourage it and I try to um, build it up. Um, I think uh, it really ties into a lot of things they teach you at work on um, through corporate training. Um, I think a couple of years ago, there was a really famous book called Strength Finders 1.0, um, I guess, and now 2.0 by Tim Roth. Mm -hmm. And it's, yeah, it's a great book that just talks about how you're trying to find your strengths and build upon them um, at, at work. Um, and the concept is that, um, well, if you focus your efforts on things you're good at, then you can um, just really be able to build a career through those strengths. Um, and I, I really think that um, one way that my gift that God has given me of encouragement that can be used um, is to encourage those strengths in other people at work. So I try to do that a lot. Um, I, someone also told me a while ago that uh, uh, with work, there's a lot of things that make work very unpleasant. 
Um, there's a lot of times it's the culture um, or it could be a, a problem at work that people just continue to face. Um, and he told me that if God was the CEO of my company, how would he run it? Mm-hmm. Um, and it made me, yeah, and it made me really think about things that I must might be frustrated at work um, or things that um, I feel like I um, w- needs to be changed in order for me to actually like working at work. Um, and I, that really helped me put into perspective of how I, um, I can really try to change things and redeem a fallen world. So, um, for example, at my workplace, there tends to be a, a very big blame culture um, where people tend to blame each other. Um, so uh, I try very hard to not do that, um, but also just um, even when I'm at fault, uh, I'll point that out and be like, oh, I'm at fault here. This is what I had said before, but um, I made a mistake. Um, and just be very humble and very um, open and transparent of the different faults that I have. And I think in the corporate world, um, we usually see that as weakness when yeah. you try to, yeah, when you admit your faults, um, you should be this strong person and always go out and um, never admit that you're wrong and um, always, uh, and then you can fake it until you make it kind of deal. Um, but I really have been able to see that when I have, I've put my faith in God to, um, who has asked us to be humble and to lead through um, as a servant, that he, he honors that. And I see it um, even when I interact with my coworkers. So when I'm humble and I tell them at fault, they, it, they really are taken aback and um, they're very shocked and they, they are very um, respectful of me as a result that I would actually admit faults. And I think when we're transparent, we're actually able to get to the bottom of the problem as well and actually fix it. Um, another thing that I can think of um, for God when he, like if God was the CEO of my company, yeah. um, how he could change it. Yeah, I, I really see it in this COVID time also because um, with video chatting um, and sometimes without video chatting, adding um i in my work we have conferences all the time and we don't turn on the video um it's just through uh just through the phone and with customers it's also hard too because uh you don't share the same platform so you you have to do it through um just verbally and not with the camera um and i think when people don't see that there's another human being on the end of the line um they forget that they're actually a human being with, with feelings. Um, and um, so there's a lot of, um, with COVID, uh, with a, more of the online conferencing, um, people have been a lot more rude and a lot more unloving towards other people. Um, and uh, I've been really needing to learn how to be more loving towards other people through COVID and needing to verbally do that. Um, and I think it's, it's definitely made a difference on um, how people interact when they, um, when even if you're being yelled at, um, you're being calm 
and um, you're hearing and trying to listen for what their concerns are and trying to address it as opposed to just trying to yell back because it's just, um, yeah, that's not how uh, Jesus would respond as well. Yeah. Wow, that's so good. It's so practical. And, um, you know, it's clear that you're um, approaching your work day, not as somebody who puts their faith on the weekends or, you know, after hours, but you're clearly bringing it into work and um, even allowing what it means to follow Jesus and allow his character to mold you and shape you and to continue to learn and do so. Um, which is, you know, really my understanding of what it means to be a disciple of Christ, a follower of Christ, is that you're constantly growing and learning in that area, and it makes you a better person, right? A better worker, whatever your job is. So, yeah, what if you just could say what you think it is about you that's making a difference at your work or in your career, what, what do you think that is? Um, it, it's, I might get overly spiritual at this point. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, it, so for, it's really hard for me to say that I'm, I'm making a difference me personally. Yeah. Um, yeah, because I, I really do feel that just one just me is not sufficient. Um, I think when I look back on how I worked before I was a believer, I really did feel like it was just me. Um, I was the only, I felt like I was the only person who was um, preventing um, the rest of the business to be just release product that is unsafe for people, which is not true. Um, because we have many controls, but I felt that way. I felt that um, I was, it was me against everybody else. Um, and I felt like I was the only one who knew everything. Um, and everybody else didn't. Um, but after coming into faith, I just come to realize how, um, how, how small one person is. Um, but I don't see that as um, not empowering. Mm -hmm. um, I, I see that as I need God a lot more in my life to be able to even do my job at work. So when you ask me what difference I'm, I'm making personally, um, I don't know if I'm making a big enough difference by myself, but I know that with God and him moving, um, through me, he he will make sure to make more of a difference. Um, so, for example, like when we talked about the different cultures at work, um, some of the negative cultures, one person might not be enough um, to lead as an example. But um, with God's help, hopefully, more people will see through me how um, how I love others, and then uh, he will soften people's hearts and and move from there as well. Um, yeah, so it's really hard for me to say it just me. Um, yeah. yeah, but yeah, it's really a lot of reliance on, on God to help out. So for, I'm just thinking of different examples. Um, but just this week, 
I met with uh, a customer um, and I had met with them two times beforehand and I was, um, we had presented a proposal and they were very convinced that it was going to be um, like, it was going to be good. But then on the last meeting when we were supposed to decide whether to accept the proposal or not, they sent an email and just said they're not gonna accept the proposal beforehand and yeah. And I was very um, shocked because uh, the majority of the proposals were my pro proposals and it was to make things a lot easier for our, our company and also for them as well. Um, so I um, like by myself, I wouldn't know what to do. Um, I prayed and asked for wisdom and uh, it, I just trusted God that he'll do something as well. But in addition to that, like, I knew that I wasn't enough. So I actually went to a old boss um, of mine who had worked with them and asked for his advice. And he um, told me that, um, he showed me a book called Never Split the Difference from Chris Voss. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. a great book. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so in, in the book, they talk about tactical empathy, about being able to um, show other people that you you care about them, your concerns are listened, and using that to try to negotiate a proposal. So um, he was teaching me that. And then as I was hearing some of the, um, some of the pointers that he was telling me, uh, I just realized that, oh, these are just ways to show people how to love them and how to love them well. And this is actually very biblical. So then I, uh, so then when I was meeting with a customer and um, going through the proposals, I just, those were the tactics that I used, but it was ways to, to love them well. And um, the customer was very famous for being very uh, abrasive. But when I talked and when I uh, was able to show them um, that I value their viewpoints and I value their concerns, um, and there's other ways of looking at it. And this is what my experience has shown. Um, they, they were very softened to the idea and um, they, at the end they accepted my proposals. Yeah. And yeah, so it was, it was very rewarding um, in terms of the business sense, but also just, it increased my faith a lot too, that through prayer and through loving other people, um, God can make miracles uh, in, where, where I saw it. And um so it, it's definitely like a when you're making a difference, it's more of a group effort um, with many different people. But also, um, it, even at that time, um, I was on the call with the customer, but it wasn't just me and the customer. I had a whole team of people who were listening in, which was also very nerve wracking. Um, <laughs> but uh, but I'm hoping that they also saw how I interacted with the customer and saw how um, even they, even though they said no, um, I was able to um, show my care for them and um, be able to persuade them in another way, um, and also be willing to just go with what the customer says if if that's the conclusion, because um, because it's also a way of showing care, you know. So, yeah, that's awesome. I love that example. It's amazing how just stopping to pray for wisdom. I'm just reading in Second Chronicles right now in the scripture, Old Testament, um, which you know Jewish people would call the Torah and our Muslim friends would call the Taurat. And there's just this moment where Solomon, you know, God appears to Solomon and he's like, you, and what do you want? I'll give you whatever you want. And he asked for wisdom. 
And because of wisdom, he ends up getting riches and, and all these other things, because when you're wise, a lot of things follow, but God, he wants to give wisdom to those who ask. And so, yeah, it's one of those really cool stories that you're sharing where that showed up for you kind of right away in a very practical way. And you were able to allow that wisdom to be seen by others, which can be very contagious as well in a positive way, not in a contagious negative way, which probably your company deals with a lot. <laughs> positive contagion. <laughs> yeah. Well, what advice would you have? Cause there's probably people listening right now who, you know, they have faith in God. Um, and they have not really known how to bring that at all to work. It's something they've kept separate in a very compartmentalized box, maybe that they open up on Sundays or, you, you know, in the after hours, but not at work. Um, and so what advice would you have to someone who's just trying to get started on what it looks like to um, allow their faith to impact them at work? Yeah, I think um, there are a number of ways. Um, definitely to start out with is um, knowing that your faith is not just restricted to Sundays, um, that it, it should guide how you live your life from Monday to Saturday. And I, I think... Um, I think just acknowledging that um, would help. Um, from there, I think when you start living out your faith at work, um, for me, it's easiest when I realize that um, when there's a conflict, um, there's actually two sins that are usually in place. Um, if there's something about someone else's sin, but most likely there's something with your sin <laughs> that you have to deal with. Um, so from there, um, I usually try to introspectively look at myself and think about um, what what am I dealing with right now that's making me angry or what is what am I dealing right now that's making um, me behave in a way that's not um, Christ-like. Um, and from there, I usually ask myself the question. Um, uh, Tiffany actually taught me to ask this question too, but it was, um, what in the gospel do I not believe in right now to feel this way or to act this way? Um, and so, for example, I think sometimes when I'm um, very defensive about something at work, um, I'll have to, I have to, I'll realize that, that I'm being defensive. And I think about, oh, what about this am I feeling and why am I reacting this way? And usually for me, it's a matter of pride. Um, I have a lot of pride in my work um, and a lot of pride that I think I know what's best. Um, and then what I don't believe in the gospel at that point when I'm dealing with pride is, um, is I don't believe that God made uh, everybody in, an, in his image, that he loves everybody and he gifted everybody in a certain way. And I don't believe the other person is someone worthy of God's love. So then I have to step back and remember, no, um, this is a, a person with also concerns. And um, if I'm being defensive about it, I'm just not. Um, being convincing enough, or maybe I'm not convinced my own self to be able to convince the other person. So um, that's that would be another way to be helpful um, to integrate faith and work. Um, and I think as you do this, you'll see more of how um, God really loves um, loves you in how you work. That sounds really odd. <laughs> Um, 
yeah. I, I hmm, let me go back. So I I think oftentimes people think of work after the fall, um, but work actually came to us um, before the fall. Mm-hmm. Um, when God created heaven and earth and um, the garden for us, He first commanded Adam to to work the garden. Mm-hmm. Um, so work by itself is um, a, a process with that you, you that God wants us to do with him. Um, it's a way of redeeming the world. And I think when you start seeing that in work, um, in your relationships, uh, it's a way um, to really see God move in the workplace. And then um, as you start seeing God moving in the workplace, for me, I have a sense of awe of seeing him um, be able to move um, both in um, just the tasks that I need to do, but also in the relationships, which I find a lot harder. Um, So when I start seeing God move, I also am more inspired to share about how he's moving um, because it is amazing how he does it. Uh, So I think it's, as people start integrating faith and work, I see it as you need to acknowledge that God had intent for work. Um, you are part of God's work in that way. And then from there, um, we should be in awe of how God can work even in our day-to-day lives. Um, and we should want to share that with everybody. And then from sharing, it's just all celebrating together. And um, that's a form of worship. I love it. I love just how you described that. And, um, work is a way of redeeming the world. And um yeah, when we think about it from that perspective, there's so many different ways we can work, work into God. Some people, um, at least in the Christian faith community, um, a lot, there's a lot of assumptions that the only way you can really be involved in God's honoring work of redeeming the world would be to be like in some kind of full-time ministry position. But it's just so limiting to think that way because there's so many aspects of this world um, that we need, you know, to be redeemed. I think I read something that you'd posted recently, um, on social media where you're, um, talking about like, if somebody prays for bread and there's no baker, like, you know, like we need Mm -hmm. the bakers. We, if somebody gets sick, they need somebody, a healthcare worker to take care of them. Like that is part of God's redemption in the world too. And we need, we need our basic needs met. And a lot of that happens through work that people do. And, um, and we need vaccines to help us get through this mm-hmm. pandemic and finish it, get it over with and, and all those. <laughs> but I know that you also, uh, you're a person who's been very blessed and you want to not just be blessed, but you want to be a blessing. And so I know that you don't limit the ways you're making an impact just to your work. I know that you do some volunteering um, to help you know kids and different things. So I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about that and how... Um, you're trying to be a blessing to other people as well outside of work. There's more than just work, Eva. <laughs> <laughs> uh, definitely. Um, definitely uh, workplace ministry is, is my heart, but I, I do um, do a lot of uh, out, things outside of work as well. Um, I think uh, God really blessed me by bringing me um, to Singapore and back here. Um it's really opened my eyes of um, living in a country as a kid is very different from living in a country as an adult. 
Um, so I, I realized when I was a kid, I was really living in a little bubble. Mm -hmm. um, so when I moved to Singapore um, as an adult, I just realized how many different cultures there are here. And I really enjoy learning about all the different cultures that are um, in Singapore. Um, I, I remember when I first came here, um, uh, there was like 40, I saw on a website that there was 42 different people groups um, in Singapore. And I think now there's even more. Um, so that's been really exciting. Um, I'm trying to think, sorry, what was your question? <laughs> I think you were, you've been doing like, um, some volunteering with some kids and tutoring and things like that. Are you still involved with some of that? Or do you do other kinds of volunteering? Um, I'm not too involved with, uh, the volunteering with kids anymore. Um, but I'm still really close friends with them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So there's, there's a family I used to volunteer with and um, there's two kids and actually the son just messaged me, which is really funny. Um, but he, there's two kids, uh, one girl and one boy. And uh, I just developed a love and relationship with them. So we, we go out um, very often. Um, uh, yes, yeah, just to hang out and just to, to love on them. They came to my house for the first time actually this weekend um, because usually we just go out um, and to watch it. So yeah, they came to my house to watch a movie and I was just able to share with them um, the different things in my house. And uh, yeah, so they're, they're, they're Muslim, um, so they don't eat pork. But the, when they came to my house, uh, I made sure that they ate McDonald's, which is halal in Singapore. Um, but for me, like I'm on a diet. So I actually had to eat something that I cooked myself, which had pork in it. And they, um, the kids were so shocked. Um, I was like, why are you eating pork? That's so bad. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I don't believe that, um, that uh, I, I don't, I believe that the son of God came to earth to die for us. And um, when he died, he took away um, all the, all the sins and, um, and allowed us to eat all of this in freedom. Um, so that's what I believe in. And therefore I, I do eat these spaghetti and meatballs, which was actually <laughs> really good. Yeah. And they're like, Oh, okay. Um, but you ate pork. And I'm like, yeah, I do. And then when they came over, they actually saw, um, I had a, I have a bookshelf and it has a lot of stuffed pigs on it because when I was a kid, they, for some reason I had a fascination with pigs <laughs> and, um, they were also very shocked. They're like, why are there, why are there pigs? And I'm like, I'm sorry. I think they're really cute. Do you think they're cute? And they're like, no, no, I don't think they're cute. And I'm like, oh, okay. That's okay though. Um, I think. You know, I, I understand it, you know, um, and I say these things because um, it's just, it shows the, the melting pot of cultures in Singapore. Yep. Um, but I was so glad to be able to share with them. That this was, um, this is my faith and I'm an example of someone who loves them very well, um, but is of a different faith. Um, so I was really glad I was able to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And I know we've talked about this before, but there's a lot of, um, this is sort of commonly known in Singapore, but um, there's a lot of disparity in the um, access to certain levels of education outside of the tradition, like just the typical what's provided by the government. So a lot of people do these like tutoring 
centers. Mm -hmm. But if you're a family that can't afford that, it really makes it hard to pass the PSLE exam and, and whatever. And I just know that any child who gets invested in by somebody who, whether it's a tutor or just somebody who believes in them and cares for them. And um, it's it's just like that kind of even mentoring relationship is, is so important. So I love that you've been involved in that because it is just a way to make a difference even outside of work and people's lives. And I know that you've really impacted those kids. It's really sweet. Well, I also would love, um, just my last question is, if you have any resources that have been helpful to you along your journey at all, I know you mentioned a book earlier, but uh, I mean, I don't know, it could be songs, podcasts, see any thought leaders that you follow, movies, books, any any particular thing that you feel like has been helpful to you. Um, it may be faith and work related, or it could just be in your, your journey of um, your career or your spiritual journey, anything like that that would be helpful you'd recommend? Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I really recommend Every Good Endeavor by Tim Keller. Um, I think he does a really good job of framing how, um, how God sees work. Um, and I think oftentimes people can be very siloed in their own work and think it's very special. But when, um, when you see how God sees it, um, it, it's just, it's a, it's a paradigm shift. So I do really recommend that book. Um, for me personally, I recently got married, uh, so yay! Married. Um, we watched it on Zoom. <laughs> yay! <laughs> yes, my Zoom COVID wedding. It was great. Um, yeah. Uh, so uh, I'm reading a book. Well, I finished reading a book that had a huge impact on me. It was called uh, "When Sinners Say I Do" by Dave Harvey. I actually got it from you, Lori, <laughs> when you were moving, um, I took it off your bookshelf. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's a great book about um, how when two sinners um, marry each other, and we're all sinners, um, there are many different things that we have to think about um, in order to love each other better. Um, and I not only apply that to my own marriage, but also in my interactions with people at work. Um, and it's been very rewarding. Um, I, by nature, am not a patient person at all. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I, um, I struggle a lot with that. Um, but it has helped me just, um, uh, it has helped me see that um, other people are also not patient with me, too. So it's allowed me to help give people a little bit more grace. Yeah, so that's been good. Um, I also, so in terms of movies, I love movies, but a lot of them are really, like, I really like dumb, thoughtless movies, so I don't have to think. <laughs> so I don't really have too much to offer other than uh, an old movie popped up in my Netflix the other day, and I'm like, oh, I love this movie. It definitely made an impact in my life, and it was uh, Pay It Forward. Um, yeah, I that. yeah, I really love that movie. I, I often think of that, too. Mm. Uh, with life because um, there's a lot of people in my life who um, have really blessed me and really um, encouraged me over the years. Um, Scott and Tiffany is definitely um, two of those individuals, yourselves as well. Um, I definitely mm -hmm. remember all those days and nights I've been at your house <laughs> and you guys just impart so much wisdom on me. Um, um, yeah. Your older child. <laughs> yes, your oldest child that you did not know you had. Um, but uh, yeah, I think from with pay it forward as a, um, without giving it away. Um, but it was all about trying to, instead of, um, thanking the person that, um, gave you so much, you try to pay it 
not pay it back, but pay it forward to someone else. And that's a, a way to really love the person who gave you so much. So um, I, um, I really, that movie really made an impact on me. Yeah, that was a good one. Good reminder. I should watch that with my kids because it, it's, it's, it's an old enough one where they wouldn't have seen it otherwise. But mm. yeah, it's a, it's a good thing. You know, I have a friend that passed away recently. I think a lot of us in COVID have had a lot of death around us and um, she didn't die from COVID. It was unexpected, just a little bit older than me. But she's a person who made an impact in a lot of people's lives. Um, we were in grad school together and she spent some years in China and just really an amazing person and really invested in, in women leaders in particular. And it's one of those things like, you know, once after her death, suddenly it was one of those, you, you could never go to her now and say, thank you for what all she's, you know, modeled for you and the example she was and how much she, she encouraged all of us. Um, so now we're left. Our only real option is to pay it forward, you know, in that way, it's like, just, you know, live out her life with other people do the things that she would do if she were still here and you know help that legacy that she leaves to to live on and other people but we don't have to wait for people to pass away to do that kind of thing i think it's a good mm -hmm. reminder that movie is a really good one uh, so i think you you were asking me like how to start integrating faith and work and yeah. um uh one other thing is just to let people know that you're you are a christian um i think sometimes people um, we all think we're undercover agents um, of Christians at work, and it's, it doesn't need to be that way. Um, we, I um, and what made me think about this is actually um, Tiffany, because um, when she finally shared with me, um, I had actually had no idea that she was a Christian. Um, so uh, we always joke about this, but um, I had breakups before that she um, she had not shared with me that um, the gospel. And I'm like, you could have shared with me so much earlier and it would have been so much better. I didn't have to go through all these horrible breakups. And um, she was like, oh, yeah. Ha -ha. Um, but <laughs> so um, I think it's very important to be able to be open about your faith at work, that you are a Christian. Um, I think from there, people can see um, that the reason why that you're different at work um, is most likely is most likely because of your faith. Um, so when I uh, started working in, in Singapore, I was actually very um, open that I really believe in God, that um, He, um, that I do pray uh, outside of work um, more than at church or maybe at church. Um, and from there, people um, started identifying with me as identified me as the Christian, which um, I mean, I'm, I'm fine with that. That's good. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then it actually led to a lot of opportunities to share as well uh, about my faith and why I see things a certain way. Mm -hmm. uh, I had a coworker who was um, about to get married to someone who's Catholic, but she was not a believer. Um, and at the time, um, I think her the grandma of the groom was very um wanted her to convert to the faith um uh immediately <laughs> and she was very resistant to that idea and she didn't want to do it just for marriage yeah so um we were able to sit down outside of work and um i was able to share with her like the faith and why i believe in this um and why i believe that jesus came to die for us um that is very important um and so she she can learn more about the faith, not in the context of 
I need to believe in this in order to get married, but um, just and not have a secret agenda, but from someone that she knew and she trusted um, and go from there. Unfortunately, um, she ha- did not come to faith, um, but uh, I was just really honored to be part of that journey um, of God planting seeds in her. Yeah, no, of course. And even if the end result wasn't, you know, that you agreed on, you know, faith necessarily, just um, deepening friendships, deepening relationships with people at work and outside of work when you open yourself up to being the kind of person that's approachable, that's safe to talk to. And um, that's always a good first step. I hear that quite a bit from people who are um, just trying to start their journey of bringing the faith part of themselves to work, just like bringing your whole self there, including that faith part that a good way to start is just to let people know that if you ever want to have this conversation, I want to be that safe person for you. Mm-hmm. And I won't like get mad at you if you don't agree or anything like that, but this is a right. safe place to question each other and explore and, and be open. That's an awesome story. I'm glad that you shared that. Yeah, well, you. Eva, you're awesome. I love you so much. You're such a great example of faith and work. Thank you for sharing your wisdom with us today. I'm sure people are going to take away tons of really good nuggets here and just thank you for the work you're doing on all that you can't tell us about <laughs> and hopefully something COVID related. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Blessings on you and your work, of course, and your marriage and just everything. Hang in there during COVID. It's not easy. Thanks. I really appreciate it. I really miss you guys. I know. When this is all over, somebody's going to fly somewhere, either you to us or us to you, and we'll get to see each other again. But in the meantime, take care and thanks for being on the show. Thank you. Really appreciate it. I have lots of hope for your podcast. Aw, you're so sweet. (laughs) All right. Bye, Eva. Bye. Didn't you guys just love her? Wow. I, I just, I wish you could meet her in person. For those of you that know her in real life, you know what I'm talking about. She's incredible. And um, she got married during COVID. We watched her wedding on Zoom. It was not the way it was supposed to be, but she's married to Evan, who's a great guy. He's a photographer. They just, they're a really sweet couple. Um, it felt like we were marrying off our daughter in some ways, <laughs> even though I'm not old enough to really be her mom. Um, Eva's just such a part of our family, and she's just so amazing, so smart, so full of friendship and joy and um, just has so much to offer this world. I'm so glad you guys got to know her on this podcast today. I hope that you were inspired. I hope that you have some things in your brain now to help you kind of see how it can be and to think through what it could look like for you to bring your faith to work in new and different ways. Eva began to follow Jesus because of a coworker. And um, I hope you took that story for all that it is. It, it means everything to her, faith and work from the moment she started having conversations with people who brought their faith to work has never been the same for her. And she's deeply passionate about this conversation. And she she doesn't do it in a way that, you know, she's proselytizing or she's pushing her faith on anyone. She does it in such a natural way, in a way where it really is, it's so important to her. She wants to listen. She wants to hear where people are coming from. She speaks four languages. She wants to hear people talk about their own cultures and their own religions and their own expressions in different ways. And uh, because of her being a third culture kid in this way, she brings a real diversity and perspective to it and, and cares so, so deeply. So I hope that you have some takeaways of how you are inspired by Eva. She's just, she's amazing. 
Uh, so next week, you're in for another great guest. My friend Michael Crane is going to be on the show. He, I met him in college, so I've known him for years. He was best man in our wedding because he became good friends with my husband. <laughs> um, and they're just uh, hilarious when they're together. But <laughs> So my husband will not be involved in this interview because it would be too funny and he can't, I can't let him outshine me. So, <laughs> uh, but Michael's going to be on the show. He um, is not only a third culture kid who grew up in several different countries, but he also brings a perspective and a passion for just urban strategy and urban work. He, uh, he's going to talk about that, but he has a lot to say about this faith and work conversation. So I'm really excited to interview him next week and for you guys to hear his perspective um, on just this whole conversation and what it could be to give us a more of a a, a bigger imagination of what it could look like and, and why it's important on more of a strategic level for our cities and uh, our workplaces. So tune in next week for Michael Crane, and I hope you guys have an awesome week. Stay safe, stay healthy, wear your masks, and uh, do what it takes to help this pandemic get under control in this cold weather season in North America. I'm there with you. <laughs> As the Bay Area has begun to go more into shelter in place, we're making certain sacrifices and hoping it makes a difference for our ICUs and for our healthcare workers out there who are really paying a huge price to keep us all healthy and safe. So stay safe, everybody, and let's pray for each other as we try to walk through this. Talk to you guys next week. Bye.